Yo, 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 yo. What's good, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back. We're back. We're ready. Oh, boy. So halfway through the NFL season, we're officially halfway through the NFL season. Uh, so you guys know I'm going to be looking at some playoff pictures and so forth. Uh, we, you know, some some breaking and she got some breaking news with injuries and uh some, you know, some legal issues and so forth going on. Ah, boy. So we got a lot to really dive into. We got a lot to really dive into. Obviously, my top, my weekly top 10 list, I'm going to get tapped back in with that. My weekly top 10 list, my annual top 10 list that I spend a lot of time on, too much time on, if you ask me. But I'm just glad to be back. Glad to be back. I know you guys uh, have been waiting for this episode, Wednesday episode. You know how we give it up. Uh, but before we even get into it, before we dive into it, uh, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kid of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Uh, I'd like to shout out to everybody that's listening. Shout out, shout out to all the first time listeners. Shout out to all the regular listeners of the podcast. Uh, you guys are, we are continuing to grow and grow. I love it. I love to see the growth. Love to see the growth and balance and the strength in the numbers. I love it. I love it. Oh, uh, like I said, I hope everybody there is doing fine and well. It's getting colder, depending on where you at. <laughs> it's getting real cold where I'm at, you know. So it's getting real cold where I'm at. It's starting to feel a lot like uh, fall, that fall going into winter weather. You know, where it's it's November, first episode of November is my birthday month. So I'm just excited. I'm I'm very 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 excited, and uh, I want to start in the NFC. I think um, the NFC is very much like the NBA's Western Conference. <laughs> NFC's very top-heavy. The NFC's very deep. Uh, well, I'm not going to say deep, but the NFC's top-heavy. They're top-heavy. The AFC, you look at the AFC and their playoff picture and records, uh, it's 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 deep. They're deep, not so much top-heavy. The NFC's top-heavy. Uh, I think they have three one-loss teams, and then they have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that's six and two, and then the Saints. That's also uh, I think I think the Saints are also five and so the Saints are five and two. The Buccaneers are six and two, and like I said, we have three, we have four one-loss teams in the NFC. Dallas at six and one, Green Bay at seven and one, Arizona at seven and one, and the LA Rams at seven and one. So you see, you see how top heavy it is, and those four teams, and also the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Saints, those teams. We have five teams that's in the race for like home field advantage and that bye week. It's important to know and important to remember that you know the playoff format has changed, or with the playoff format changing from or being extended to six teams to seven teams, that number one seed is. So important because not only you get home court, you get home field advantage, but that number one seed is the only seed that gets a bye week. The number two seed no longer gets a bye week. So if you're the number two seed, you got to play. So you got to play that wild card weekend. But that should be interesting. And I want to look at I want. And so since we're halfway through, we're, we're at the halfway point of the season. You know, some big time trades are going down, trade deadline and so forth. So, like I said, breaking news all over the place. I want to look at both conferences playoff pictures uh and it's going to it's going to kind of correspond with my top 10 list as well but we'll get to that later on in the episode. Uh by the way, I don't want to be too long. I don't want to I don't want to have like a I don't want to have you guys here too long. Um hopefully I'll try to bring on a guest on, on the next episode. 
so we can talk some more NFL with a, another guest. But since we're at the halfway point, I want to look at the playoff picture from each conference uh, because I think it's it, it, it's some it's it's a couple things that I want to hit on that I want to touch on and talk about which e- with each conference. Uh, and like I said, let's start. Let's just start with the NFC. So just looking at the NFC playoff picture, I mean, I, like the Packers, they're the number one seed if the playoffs started today. Uh, the Cardinals would be the number two seed. Then Dallas at the three seed and Tampa Bay at the four seed. Now, I, I projected three out of these four division winners, uh, the, the, the like, the NFC playoff picture doesn't surprise me. And then we got the Rams at the five seed as a wild as the first wild card team. New Orleans at five and two, and Carolina at four and four. Now, mind you, like I was saying, I predicted that Green Bay would win their division. Obviously, uh, I predicted that Dallas would win their division, and I and I predicted that Tampa Bay would win their division. When I look at the NFC playoff picture. Not nothing really stands out to me. Obviously, teams like Seattle I thought would be better, but obviously they got hit with the injury bug with Russell Wilson and so forth. Um, teams like the 49ers I thought would be better, you know, better than what I thought or better than what they have looked and played um, so far. The, the, the NFC playoff picture does not surprise me. New Orleans, I thought they would take a step back a little bit. Maybe they still do. I don't know, but they are aiming. They, they, well, now the Jameis Winston injury is kind of a bummer. They're, they're sitting at five and two, but New Orleans, I had New Orleans as a nine-win team. It looks like they're going to be on pace. They should get the nine wins. They could. They can. They should crawl to nine wins. I don't just see. I don't see New Orleans just unraveling. Um, you know, because of the Jameis Winston injury, I, even though I think it's a big injury, um, and he he was playing pretty well for them, uh, I still don't think they're just gonna completely just unravel over the next uh what, eight weeks uh that we have left of the regular season because now we have seventeen we have seventeen games, so the next eight games I just don't see them unraveling. Uh, Carolina, I told people midway through the season, I told people be- a little bit before the season, um. I, I thought Carolina uh, would be better. I thought Carolina could be fighting for a playoff spot, and they are. They're they're sitting at four and four. Um, they're not really they're not necessarily trending in the right direction as far as uh, the quarterback play from Sam Darnold. Uh, you know, you guys know I've been trying to be supportive of Sam Darnold because of his situation with the Jets and how horrible that was, and I tried to give him some leeway. And I thought, what a perfect way this year to bounce back with a, a young Carolina team under Matt Rule and Joe Brady, two really good uh, – uh, um, Matt Rule is a great culture developer, and he's built and – he, and he has something building in Carolina. And then, obviously, Joe Brady, smart offensive mastermind um, from the collegiate level, and he's bringing his stuff to the NFL. And uh, I just thought, with looking at the weapons, looking at DJ Moore – uh, Robbie Anderson, CJ McCa- uh, or Christian McCaffrey, I should say, uh, even though he's been hurt for the majority of the season, I thought this would be a great opportunity for Sam Donald to bounce back. And he just hasn't, he, he just, he, he, he hasn't formed into what I thought he can form to. And this Carolina team, they still find themselves fighting at four and four. But I want to mainly pay attention to the top five teams. Green Bay, Arizona, Dallas, Tampa, L.A. Um, Arizona's a little banged up. 
and I don't want to get too much into these teams because it's going to be a top 10. I, you know, I still got to do my top 10 list. But the NFC playoff picture does not surprise me. Now, I take a look at the AFC playoff picture. There's a whole lot going on that I just couldn't have imagined. I got the Tennessee Titans sitting at number one at the number one seed at six and two. I got the Buffalo Bills at six and two, um, at sitting at the two seed. I have the Las Vegas Raiders five and two as the three seed, and I have the Baltimore Ravens as the four seed at five and two. Then I got Cincinnati at five and three, Pittsburgh at four and three, and then the Chargers at four and three to to round out the wild card teams. Now, I had the Chargers making the playoffs, obviously. I had the Bills making the playoffs. I had the Ravens making the playoffs. But look who we're missing. We're missing, obviously, the Kansas City Chiefs sitting at 4-4. Four and four. We're missing the Cleveland Browns sitting at 4-4. Four and four. We have the Denver Broncos who are 4-4. Four and four, But it seems like they're going in a rebuilding situation or direction, I should say. Um, and then, obviously, the New England Patriots at 4-4, four and four, who I am going to talk about uh, later on because I think they're getting really scary, and it's for good reason. Um, but... That is the AFC playoff picture. And there's a whole there's a whole lot going on. A whole lot going on with this AFC playoff picture. And it could change. Um, if you ask me, I think probably I think Buffalo probably, you know, looking at the remaining schedule, Buffalo got a couple cupcakes in there. I think Buffalo probably rounds out and finish off the, the, the season as the number one seed. But there's just a whole bunch going on with this AFC playoff picture. Um, and if I'm being honest. Outside of Buffalo, who is the real threat that could make a real like a like a like that that can make a legitimate Super Bowl run? Maybe the Baltimore Ravens. Maybe. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't particularly love their pass defense. Their pass defense over the last several weeks have been atrocious, um, and they've you know the receiving thing, the receiving core has improved. But has it improved to the to to the extent where they are they are trustworthy in big time moments in big time spots in playoff games? I'm not sure. That remains to be seen. How serious should we take the the Cincinnati Bengals? Like, I think it's a great story. I think Jamar Chase is really good. I think Joe Burrow and and what they have in like those two guys. I think that's a great combination, and I think it's going to be one of the more deadlier duos in this league for future references. But how serious should we take them right now? I I, I don't know. I, I don't think we. I don't think we relatively can. A team that I'm very high on, the Chargers. I, I like the Chargers. Uh, you know, you look at their schedule. They've played some pretty competitive teams. They play Dallas. Um. They they play Washington, even though Washington hasn't really panned out to be what they what to be what a lot of people thought they could be. They played the Chiefs, they played the Browns, they just lost to the Patriots. They have two back to back losses versus Baltimore. They got embarrassed by Baltimore, and then New England. You know, Bill Belichick did one of his numbers on you know a, a second year quarterback and Justin Herbert, who I really like. But how serious should we take the Chargers with a first year head coach, a second year quarterback? Granted, I think. Justin Herbert is phenomenal. I think one day Justin Herbert is going to probably be an MVP of this league one day. But how serious should we take the Chargers right now? So as I look at the as I look at both conferences in the playoff picture, I go to the NFC. I look at Green Bay 
I look at Arizona, I look at Dallas, I look at Tampa, I look at L.A., those are five teams that I can legitimately make a case for winning. A, like, I could see five, of, like, those five teams, you could argue me, you could argue me either which way that you could see that team on Super Bowl Sunday. You could possibly see one of these five teams on Super Bowl Sunday. Green Bay, you know, they've been at the, they've been at the precipice of making the Super Bowl over the last couple of years with, you know, Matt LaFleur and, you know, and Aaron Rodgers, obviously. And when you have Aaron Rodgers and you give him a comp, you, you give him a competent team, you know, he's bound to do something dangerous. And Green Bay find themselves once again being really good this year. So that's no surprise. Dallas has uh, uh, we all we always knew Dallas have had the talent offensively. You know, we always have we always have known about their offensive personnel and what they can do offensively, but defensively, they've made a massive jump, and their draft picks have hit. Obviously, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're Super Bowl champions. And then the Rams, they have, they have, like, they have some type of championship pedigree. They've been, at, they've been really close to winning the Super Bowl over the last several years as well. And then the Arizona Cardinals, young, emerging, they're aggressive. So it's just the tale between two different conferences where – Outside of Buffalo, who do you really trust in the AFC? <laughs> I mean, you could say Kansas City, but are we really going to – like Kansas City barely squeaked by the Giants, you know? So, I, you know, I, I think it's really interesting looking at, um, <laughs> looking at these two playoff pictures and so forth. And, and, let, me, and, and let me transition to the Rams. I want to transition to the Rams. Um, because they made a one of one of the more splashier moves during a trade or right before the trade deadline, the Rams gave up two second. Uh, they well, they gave up two picks. Um, one was a second rounder, one was a third rounder for Von Miller. Von Miller, the former All Pro pass rusher, Von Miller. And what I say to this is. The Rams are very dangerous. This is not – I'm not surprised. Uh, I, I and, and first first and foremost, I just have to ask. <laughs> the Rams, they're paying Matthew Stafford. They're paying Aaron Donald a fortune. They're paying Jalen Ramsey a fortune. They're still paying part – they're still paying a percentage of Jared Goff's contract. I mean, they're paying, they're paying guys left and right, and now – that now they don't they're not they're not necessarily paying for for Von Miller. The Broncos are taking on a majority of Von Miller's contract. But I just got to ask, what bank are the Rams using that other teams just don't have access to? I mean, it's, it just seems like the Rams they're paying this, they're paying Andrew Whitworth, they're paying Matthew Stafford, they're paying Cooper Cup, they're paying Jalen Ramsey, they're paying Donald. They're just paying so many guys left and right. It's like, what bank are they using that? And I just look at the Bears. The Bears couldn't even keep um their best corner. So, like, what what bank what bank are the Rams using? I, I want to know <laughs> because the, the way how they're and, and this and this goes to show you elite teams um and, and and elite front offices have a way with manipulating the cap and getting around certain barriers with this hard cap league. Because as we all know, you guys know, if you're a regular listener of this podcast, you guys know 
we we dig we dive deep into salary caps and cap spending and 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 you know cap penalties and cap casualties and so forth we get into all that so the fact that and i always and i always bring it up the elite teams and the patriots do a good job at it too belichick does a really good job at it too with getting rid of players he like usually nfl teams this is where nfl teams financially get in trouble they get in trouble because they they get rid of guys rather too early than too late usually nfl teams get rid of guys too late belichick is one of those like new england belichick like they get rid of you too early they get rid of be- they get rid of you right before your decline hits and we're like and we and we always look back at new england we're like damn Good thing they didn't pay that guy, or look. Oh man, look, good, good thing New England didn't pay that guy or resign that guy because it. They're like for some reason they just they know when you're about to hit a decline. And the Rams, they're, they're a smart elite front office, and they have a way with the salary cap and how they're able to manipulate the salary cap because they're paying everybody, but some way somehow they're able to. They're just continuing continuously able to just pump out and find and sign or trade for guys um, that may be on the market. And, and, you know, you guys know, I talk about the NFC West a lot. Um, I think the NFC West is, if not one of the most aggressive divisions in football, um, the the most aggressive as far as um, adding and bolstering and boostering their their, their rosters. You, You look at the Rams, the Rams have been doing this for years. The Rams have been saying go big or go home. They've been they've been they've been adding guys left and right to their roster. Now the Cardinals are doing it. The 49ers you've seen had a drastic change at the quarterback position this past offseason or had a you know, they had drastic um they took drastic measures in order to upgrade the quarterback position for the future, right? And now the Seahawks are trying to get involved with it as well. So, uh, as far as, you know, being aggressive and adding more talent around um, their team. But the Rams, I, you know, the, the it's the rich getting richer. And, and like I said, Denver, Von Miller still has $9.7 million left on his contract. Uh, the Broncos are paying $9 million of that. So that point seven, the Rams are handling that. So that's not even that much. Um, but it's the mere fact that once again, elite franchise, elite front office, and an elite team taking advantage and being able to manipulate the cap and adding more talent to a really talented team already. The Rams probably have one of the more well-balanced rosters already. And it's just so smart because think of like they gave up a second round pick and a third round pick. In this upcoming in this year's upcoming draft, what second or third round player could the Rams draft that could make an immediate impact? Like who? Like you look up and down their roster, their secondary is really good. Their linebacking core is young and fresh. Is really it's really good. They have a, they're solid up front. Offensively, they don't really lack anything. They're, look at their receiving core. Look at their running back room. So, you know the Rams draft picks. I'm not saying draft picks are. Um, they're not valuable, but when you have a team like the Rams where it's so well balanced and you have guys and you're, you're, you're deep at just about every level of your team, 
what good is a second or third rounder going to do for you? He's not going to be able to start. What, what what good does it do for you? And with the Denver, and you know, in terms of the Broncos, you could tell even though they're four and four, they're dumped. They're they're salary cap dumping, and they're they're trying to acquire more picks now. For what reason? I don't know. I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a wild guess. If if I'm guessing, I'm guessing that the Denver Broncos right now they're they're rebuilding because let's be honest. They have a ceiling. I like I like their roster. They've they've done some really fine and nice things defensively and offensively. But I don't know if I don't know if they're a playoff team quite yet. They started off three and zero, and their last four games they're one and three. So I, I'm not sure if they're a playoff team. But my only I think this and this is just me guessing. I don't know, but I'm guessing. That the their their salary cap dumping, um, they're they're trying to acquire as many draft picks as possible. So if there's a quarterback out in the market that they are really interested in, they can they they will have the necessary assets and the and the pieces to go after whatever quarterback is out there on the market that they find interest in. That is my guess because you look at this you look at the Broncos team this Denver team. They got pieces on offense. They got they got some nice receivers. Um, offensive line, they're still bit on the offensive line. Uh, defensively, they have a really good secondary, and they got they got they still got some really decent pass rushers. So they have they like Broncos like like the Denver Broncos. They have some pieces to play with, but that is that is my prediction. I think they are acquiring draft picks in order to you know let's see what's out there in the quarterback market this offseason. and if there's a guy that we really really like. We'll 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 take some of these assets that we have, and we'll trade. We'll we'll be willing to do a deal in order to get a franchise caliber quarterback because that's what the Broncos have been missing since Peyton Manning retired. Like that's that's essentially what they've been missing: a franchise caliber quarterback. The Broncos have been missing that, but the Rams. On that note, I think. Um, you know, obviously Von Miller's older. I think he's 31. So he's definitely in the back end of his prime. Um, I'm not saying Von Miller is going to turn back the clock and turn into Super Bowl MVP Von Miller. But I do think with Aaron Donald, you know, playing alongside Aaron Donald and just a good overall defense in general, I think will only um, improve or um, or it, it, it only – it would it, – Von Miller will work out. I think there's a higher percentage chance that he will work out just based off the fact that this defense has so much talent and there's so much offenses. It's like offensive coordinators have to account for so much while dealing with this Rams defense. So I think Von Miller will fit right in. Um, I think he'll have some noticeable impact, especially later on down the season, especially during the playoffs and so forth. Um, just having another edge rusher of that caliber with that type of name value, it never hurts, especially when you give up a second round and a third rounder where there's little to no value in that pick with the Rams. You know, I just look at certain teams. I look at the Buccaneers, the Rams, hell, maybe even the Cowboys. Like, you look at their teams, look at their rosters. Their rosters are just well put together. And they're well, they're so well put together that, you know, you, you, you 
if you're a front office and you look, you're like, what third rounder is going to come in here and, you know, obviously there's there's anomalies, right? But typically, typically, what third rounder is going to come in and just light it up and start for a, a team like the Rams or the Buccaneers? Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. But um, I'm going to get to – I want to talk about the Patriots. I want to talk about the Patriots, and as I want to tell you guys why I think they are very, very scary these next coming weeks as they they try to make for you know a playoff push after this quick break. All right, so as I you know before I even get into the Patriots, because uh, I, I do want to talk about it, um, I, I've been made aware. So breaking news: Henry Ruggs was uh, he got busted for a DUI, but in the process of that DUI. Uh, it was a car accident, and he killed someone allegedly. Um, so, uh, actually, let me get the let me get the whole story. Uh, so, Raiders wide receiver Henry Ruggs the third will be charged with DUI resulting in death after his involvement in a fatal car crash this um, this past morning. Uh, well, this morning, Tuesday. You guys know this is a Wednesday, though. Uh, in Las Vegas, he was threatened. He was he was treated for a non-life-threatening injury. So Henry Ruggs himself is fine, but the victim obviously is deceased. So we'll see where that goes and how that plays out with Henry Ruggs and that whole situation with the Raiders. But let me talk about the Patriots. And I was just discussing the playoff picture, uh, NFC and AFC, and Patriots are right. They're sitting at four and four, and they're coming off a really impressive win versus the Chargers. Now, I must admit, you know, I thought that was going to be a pretty tough game for them going into going out to LA, um, and playing the Chargers, who young team, scrappy, really good. Obviously, Justin Herbert leading the charge and so forth. Uh, but once again, Bill, I, I tell you guys this all the time: one of the safest bets in football on a yearly basis is betting with Bill Belichick versus first-year and second-year quarterbacks. His record his, his record versus first-year and second-year quarterbacks is just absolutely phenomenal and mind-boggling as to why he has so much success. But he throws just different schemes and different things that these young guys just haven't seen. Um, so credit that New England defense – but what I'm about to say, I think, is more – it's going to be contributed more to their offense because that's what's going to get them into the playoffs. And that's – I'm seeing some signs of that. And that is their offense becoming a little bit more explosive. Now, now granted, they're not like the Chiefs. They're not the Cowboys. They're not the Bills. You know, they're not the they're not the Cardinals. They're not the Buccaneers. They're not the Rams. They're not going to overwhelm you with their offensive talent or the personnel that they have offensively, but I'm starting to see Josh McDaniels have a little bit more confidence in Mac Jones, um, especially with throwing the ball down the field and actually stretching the field. And like I said, some of that they have, they, you know, they don't, they don't necessarily have the, the represent or the best personnel to just five wide and spread you out like they like you know like these other teams do but offensively they've scored 25 plus points in the last four games so like 
offensively, they're generating some points. And they're and now with that defense, like I said, you look at their remaining schedule. Actually, I need to pull up their remaining schedule. Uh because I think New England, you look at the you look at the their remaining schedule. It's one of the easiest in the league, in the league. And not just that, they play a lot of subpar quarterbacks in the midst of it. Okay, so I have it. Uh, They play at Carolina this week. Sam Donald is concussed, so his availability is questionable at this point. Um, But Carolina, you know, they've had their ups and downs this season. Uh, Then they play the Cleveland Browns, who right now is going through some turbulence with Baker Mayfield and his – he has a lot of shoulder injuries. Um, then they play at Atlanta. They play Tennessee. Then they have a divisional game versus Buffalo. Then they play at Indianapolis. Um, another division game versus Buffalo. And then Jaguars, Dolphins. So for a lot of these, a lot, so these are winnable games. These, This is, this stretch, this next three, four week stretch is going to be really important for New England um, and to see whether or not they're, you know, they're, they're, they're playoff worthy. But I think, Looking at the ingredient, because let's not get it mistaken. They're not obviously they're not as they're not. I'm not saying New England's a Super Bowl team or they're gonna they're just gonna take no 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 no. But they still do a lot of things well. They play good defense. They limit their turnovers. Um, Mac Jones is he's now he's he's not as shaky anymore. He's now completing sixty nine percent, nearly sixty nine percent of his passes. They're not going to – like, they run the ball effectively. They have a, a solid offensive line, and they get Trent Brown back. So I think this is setting up for a Patriots run uh, into the playoffs or, you know, or potentially fighting for the playoff uh, – uh, fighting for a playoff spot because you look at – you know, look at some of these other teams. Like, Pittsburgh is at 4-3. and three. I like Mike Tomlin to death. I love Mike Tomlin to death. I don't know if that's going to be sustainable, Okay. Uh, so we'll, we'll see, but I think this Patriots team, what I'm seeing from them offensively over the last couple weeks, um, with the way how they're able to score points and Josh McDaniels becoming more comfortable with Mac Jones. And I got, and, and, and let me, let me put this in perspective. I know, I know I can be, I know I can seem a bit harsh on Mac Jones, right? You know, low ceiling and so forth, so forth, right, right. I think Mac Jones has a high floor. I think he has a low ceiling. Now, if New England is able to put better pass catchers around him, I think that could easily raise his ceiling because you you already have a really good play caller in Josh McDaniels. Now, if you're able to put talented pass catchers around him, I think that raises his ceiling. But mind you, I've never said Mac Jones would be a bust. I've always said he's going to be a guy. He's NFL ready. He's he's always from day one. He seemed very comfortable. He's smart. He doesn't. He's not going to lose you now. He may not wow you with his athleticism or his arm, but he doesn't lose you games. He doesn't turn over the football like Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson gets too cute. He, he, he Zach Wilson gets too cute. He gets little little. I see a little cockiness right there. But with Mac Jones, he doesn't get too cute. He's smart. He's smart with the football. He's not going to turn it over. He's not going to lose you games. And he puts it right where it needs to be. So if you give me that, <laughs> you give me a smart quarterback that doesn't turn it over and and and, and he's dead, dead accurately, dead smack accurate, I'd take that. I'd take that over day, any day over 
sporadic, erratic uh, uh, Zach Wilson. I'll take that any day. And I know Zach Wilson, he wows people with his athleticism, and he got like a cool factor. And Mac Jones, not really cool. You know, you look at him, you know. You you guys saw his walk um, on draft day. Like, it it just wasn't cool. Nothing about it was said cool. But Mac Jones, he he gets the job done. Um, And that's just what, what, you know, I'm looking at this New England team. Defensively, I don't have to talk about them. Like, defensively, we know they're going to be good. Uh, and once again, like I said, they did a number on Justin Herbert. And you guys know, I really like Justin Herbert. Like I told you guys, I think he's going to be a league MVP one day. But New England, Bill Belichick, they did a number on 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 on, um, on, on Herbert this past Sunday. And it really got to him. So this Patriots team, I think, is real. Um, I think they're starting to hit their stride right at the beginning, right at the right moment where there's a couple breaks in their schedule. You like not happen to face Derrick Henry versus, you know, in that Titans game, that's going to be so crucial. You know, you're playing up against a banged up Browns team. You're playing up against the Falcons who, you know, it's the Falcons offensively. They're going to be fine, but defensively they can't stop a headache. They can't stop a, they can't stop a headache. If you gave them an aspirin, so, you know, when, who knows what Atlanta will look like. Um, so I think New England, they're they're bound. They're at 4-4. Four four. Um, I think they're bound to make a playoff push and to try to get one of those wild card spots. Like I said, I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying they're elite. But they are legit. And they and like I said, they still do a lot of things well. A lot of what you need to do well to win football games, New England does those things. Like they're disciplined, they're well coached, they're they're gonna be ready defensively. De- defense travels, defense and running games travel. New England have both. They don't turn over the ball. They're not gonna they're not gonna have stupid penalties. Um, and it doesn't surprise me that you you look at their four wins. Jets, two times versus the Jets, Texans, and and now the Chargers. You see the trend? Either a first-year or second-year quarterback that they have beaten this year. And you look at the rest of their schedule, they play some other, they play, uh, you know, some other first-year, second-year quarterbacks and just quarterbacks that are mediocre at best. Like, they they, they don't they, they don't have to face an elite. They don't, the only elite quarterback that they really, truly face it's Josh Allen. And even with that, with that being a division pony, if you look at Josh Allen numbers versus New England, they aren't so pretty. So I think New England's bound for um to try to make a playoff push for one of those wild card spots this year. I really do. Um I wanna I wanna talk, I wanna touch on uh I wanna go to my top ten list. I'm gonna do my top ten list, and I wanna touch on OBJ in Cleveland and what his future look like. I've been proven right once again. Okay, so before I even get into my top 10 list, lastly, um, this whole Odell Beckham and Cleveland situation with Baker Mayfield, I've been long on record saying that OBJ, he never gave me Cleveland vibes. He doesn't. I, n- I never thought OBJ fit the mantra of Cleveland, and that's okay. And I actually credit Odell Beckham, um, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. for, you know, being a good team player, being a good team sport about this whole situation. Um, And I just find it interesting. His dad released uh, or he posted a video 
it was, it's like a it's like a 10 11 minute video of of just plays and clips and film of old of, of Baker Mayfield just missing open opportunities uh missing Odell Beckham being wide open and being you know having wide open opportunities to throw him the football uh and Baker just either he, he, he inaccurately throws the pass or he just doesn't throw the ball at all to, like towards him so that is that but remember I can remember where people thought it was a hot take by saying Baker and Odell doesn't work. Like we had we had we had enough data to like we have years of data, years of stats that continuously back up the notion that actually these two guys don't work out together. And Baker's at his best without OBJ. That's no hit, that's no slouch or that's no hit on OBJ. I still think OBJ is still I think when healthy he can and 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 in the right situation, put in the right system, I think he can still be a really, really productive wide receiver in this league. But I don't think Cleveland's the place. And I've been saying that for the past year and a half. Don't think Cleveland's the place for OBJ to really be OBJ and to really be productive. Um, and that's why, you know, people are down on OBJ and look at his production over the last several years. It just hasn't panned out to what we are used to or what we saw from him in his first three, four years in New York because the opportunities aren't there. Like, look at this year. Baker, when targeting OBJ, is 50%. He has a 50% completion percentage when targeting OBJ. So, like, OG, OBJ being healthy, Odell being healthy, Baker, it, it, like, the dynamic for some reason just doesn't work. And it's okay, but this is why I criticize Cleveland for going after OBJ because I never thought it was a perfect fit. I never thought it was an ideal fit. Did it look good on paper? Sure it did. Does it sound good to say that, oh, yeah, we have a great offensive line with two really good tight ends, with two really good running backs, with Jarvis Landry and OBJ? It sounds good, but when like in terms of trying to get him involved, it just hasn't worked over the course of the past several years, or few years, as I say. It just hasn't worked. It just has not worked with OBJ. The dynamic between Baker Mayfield and OBJ hasn't worked. And now I move on to my top ten list. Um, so let's start. You guys know we do this on a weekly basis. This is a weekly top ten list. This is bound to change. This is not set in stone. But this is my top 10 teams after week eight going into week nine. And at 10, I have the Las Vegas Raiders. Yes, the Las Vegas Raiders at five and two. Um, they have an interim head coach. Uh, offensively, their numbers have gone upward. They've, like, they've been on an upward increase since the departure of John, of, of John Gruden. So I, I don't know what to make of that. Um like you, you guys know the Raiders. I had them at ten. I, I, a lot of it is just with Derek Carr. Derek Carr has just been underappreciated and overlooked throughout his career. And I feel like he this year people are really seeing how good and how productive Derek Carr is and how valuable he is to the Raiders. So I got them at number ten. 
At number nine, I have New Orleans. I have the New Orleans Saints. You know, granted, J- Jameis Winston tore his ACL, um, and now they got to figure out their quarterback situation. But some way, somehow, the Saints continue to find they find a way to win games. They're now sitting at five and two. Um, they just beat the Buccaneers. They're they're three and zero versus the Buccaneers in the regular season, and even the postseason game that they lost last year, Tom Brady didn't even play that well. So the the Saints they do they do something that the rest of the league can't seem to figure out, and that is finding a way to slow down and neutralize this Buccaneers offense. The Saints do a hell of a job at it. They play good defense. They have good line play up front on both sides of the football. Alvin Kamara's doing Alvin Kamara type things. Uh, so this Saints football team, you know, Sean, big, big shout out to Sean Payton, you know, and the job that he's doing. And Dennis Allen also, you know, did a heck of a job with scheming up and defending this Buccaneers offense. So, you know, I gotta, gotta give, I gotta, gotta give a props of props to do. Uh, the Saints at nine, at five and two. I don't know, I don't know how long they're gonna be there, but that is that that, that they're legit. They are legit. Okay, at eight, I got the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, you know, the Ravens, they're the Ravens. I got them at they're, they're five and two, so they're back at, you know, with the Cincinnati Laws. They're back at the top of the AFC North. Once again, I still have my concerns about their pass defense. Their pass defense just has not been good. <laughs> like, quite frankly, it has not been good this um over the last couple weeks. So we'll see how they bounce back coming off the bye. Uh, but I got Baltimore at eight. They're well coached. Um, obviously Lamar Jackson is a big part of what they do and how they're gonna operate and how far they go, quite frankly. Uh so I got the Ravens at eight. Uh Lamar, I just hope they don't get too Lamar dependent and so forth. But you know, Ravens at eight. At number seven, this is really difficult for me for me because this team has been red hot. But I you know, because of some of in, some of the injuries, I gotta keep them where they are. Uh, oh, I got to keep them at seven. And that's the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I think I had the Titans at six last week. I'm not sure. But I got them at seven this week. They're six and two. Um, they're red hot. But obviously, we know about the injury to Derrick Henry. We'll see how how long, what, you, know, we'll, you know, the timetable on that. But it looks like they're going to be without him for a while. Um, hopefully, I don't know, Ryan, can, can Ryan Tannehill hand, hold down the fort? Not sure. But this Titans team, they're well coached. Um, they're fit. They're, they they physically dominate you. But a lot of that comes from the running game. So a lot of the Tennessee Titans' identity is based off of the fact that they can run the football and just physically dominate you. Are they still going to be able to do that without their best player in Derrick Henry? We'll see. We'll see, but I got them at number seven just based off the fact that they have they've 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 been on a hot streak. Um, they're leading their division and a number one AFC. So I got them at six and two. At number six, I have uh, I got them at number seven. Excuse me. At number six, I have the Buffalo Bills. Yes, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, you know the Bills, they they get into these dry spots offensively, like you saw this past weekend versus Miami. But I still think they they may be the best overall team, like the most well-balanced team in the entire AFC. Uh, looking at what they have on both sides of the football, their 22 just lines up and matches up better. or it, it, They match up just about with any 22 
on it, it versus anybody in the league, really. But in the AFC primarily, I think that they have the best, the well, the most well balanced roster. Um, obviously, Josh Allen doing Josh Allen type things, but their pass rush, their improved pass rush, is a big reason why I'm really high on the Bills. Secondary was really good last year. Secondary has been really good for the last several, uh, for the last few years, but it's the pass rush that has picked up, and they have found the pass rush. So that's important um, because you're able to pin your ears back, play man coverage. Because if you can blitz, if you can, if you can rush the quarterback and make the quarterback feel uncomfortable with just four guys, you're doing something good. And the Bills can do that. I got them at six. At number five, I had the Tampa, I had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, granted, they lost this week, but come on. Like, they, they're missing their first, their injury riddle like crazy. They're missing some, they're missing so many notable guys offensively now and defensively. They've been thin in the back end of their defense, so that's no surprise. But now they're missing some notable guys on offense. I still have the utmost confidence in this team. Mind you, New Orleans is just, it, 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 I don't know what it is. It's, it, he, New Orleans is just Tom Brady's kryptonite. He's 0-3 versus he's 0-3 versus New Orleans in the regular season. And even in the postseason, when they played New Orleans, when they beat New Orleans, Tom didn't play the greatest. So, you know, that's just it's just one of those divisional games that that for some reason over the last couple years have given Tampa Bay a lot of trouble. But I think I, I, I'm a, I'm gonna remain confident with them. I got them at number five. At number four, this may come as a surprise. I have the Arizona Cardinals. Yes. Um, now they they suffered some injuries. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is a little banged up. Kyler Murray is a little banged up. JJ Watt is out for the season. Um, so they have some injuries. Now, granted, that 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 Green Bay loss. The reason why I dropped the Cardinals back at four, or so low, is because of the injuries that they have. It's more so because of the injuries and not the loss. They were they like they were in position to win that football game. They just couldn't get it done. Um, and some of that because because of some of the injuries that they had. But um, you know, not a bad loss to Green Bay. Not a bad loss, but we knew it was gonna come sooner than later. Um, but I got at number three, I have the LA Rams. And the reason why I have the LA Rams, now despite despite the Cardinals going to LA and beating LA, I still trust Sean McVay more than I trust. Cliff Kingsbury, I, I you know I'm I'm sorry I know that sounds you know because I've been so hard on the Cardinals and the moment that they lost I drop them at four but I just think overall this Rams team is better I think this Rams team is better with a with with a better coach a, a coach that I trust and a better coach in Sean McVay so that's why I have the Rams at three by the way what does what is Cooper Cup do like. Cooper Cup just has something against some of these NFL defenses because he's just like he's putting up Randy Moss numbers and no disrespect to Cooper Cup because I think he's one of the more underappreciated receivers in football, but he's no Randy Moss, but he's putting up Randy Moss type numbers. So I got the Rams at three um, at two. I have the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I, I, I know I, this was a struggle. This was a real struggle for me because I wanted to put the Packers at two, but some weeks they just haven't looked the best and they have played down to the competition. Now, this past week versus Arizona was a very impressive win. And I mean a bit like that was the most impressive Packers win 
that I have seen in a very long time. That was a very impressive win. To go on the road versus an Arizona team that was undefeated and have, you know, I think they missed, I think they were missing 10 starters. They, they were missing 10 starters, including Devontae Adams. The fact that they went on the road and was able to pull out that game, big, big shout out, big props to Aaron Rodgers. That was a very, very impressive win by the Packers. Probably the most impressive, like, impressive, like, the most impressive I've seen in years. The fact that they went on the road, took on an undefeated team, beat them, and were missing, like, notable star-worthy players, big up on the Packers. And then at number one, yep, I know. I got the Dallas Cowboys. I'm sorry. I got the Dallas Cowboys at number one. I'm not saying they're the best team in football, um, you know, throughout the year. But for this week, they are the best team in football. They are legit. They are, they are real. Now, granted, it's Minnesota. But Cooper Rush, going to, going the road, no Dak Prescott. The offense was still efficient. Defensively, they really stepped up in the second half of that game. The defense really stepped up. I mean, the Cowboys, from top to bottom, they're solid. Solid foundation. Uh, Mike McCarthy still kind of scares me a little bit. But for this week, I got to put the Cowboys at number one. And I think it's rightfully deserved. Over every single game the Cowboys have played, they've played a really good football game. Every single game. Every single game the Cowboys have played, they have played a really good football game. So that is why I have to put the Cowboys at number one this entire season. They have been consistent. Even with their even with their first loss of the season, week one versus Tampa, you can make an argument that that was a very much winnable game. They should have won that game. But they find themselves at 6-1. and one. Obviously, they're leading their division by, I think it's by four games, I think, now. So the Cowboys at number one. Impressive win without Dak Prescott. That is my top 10. That is my top 10 list. I feel pretty good about it. That is my top 10 list. Um, As you can see, I'm rearranging some teams due to some injuries or due to a losing streak and so forth. Um, but that is my top 10 list. I feel pretty comfortable about it. Yeah. Yeah. Feel pretty comfortable about my top 10 list. <laughs> Cowboys at one. I feel, I feel like it's deserved. Cowboys at one. Went on the road and won a big time. Like I said, it's Minnesota, but still was able to win without your starting quarterback. That's really impressive. Got the Cowboys at one. <laughs> 